to another edition of Mashless Buttons Mashcast. I'm your host, Rob, this week, taking place with Jared. Can't be with us today. Uh, this is Mashcast number 43. Uh, I'm here with Nick Zelenkevich. Hello, everybody. And Mikey Kinney. Yo, what's up? Um, I guess we'll start off with the games. Uh, Nick, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I played a little bit of StarCraft II. I guess uh, in honor of Jarrett, uh, a little bit of Mass Effect 2, and uh, Realm of the Mad God. All right. How is Realm of the Mad God? Because I downloaded it, haven't played it. Well, um, I started playing it because I heard it was a, a permadeath MMO, which sounded like an interesting concept. Uh, but then when I got into it, it was pretty much uh, just, I guess, an 8, maybe 16-bit uh, game. Um, and I mean, it's an MMO in the sense that you're, you're running around with a lot of people. There, there's you know, there's a RPG trappings. Um and, and you pretty much just run around shooting stuff and dodging bullets. Uh, it's pretty simplistic. It's free to play, so I don't mind that it's simplistic. Uh, and it seems like the, the incentivation is, is pretty well there. You have to buy extra character slots, and you can buy, like, extra bank space and, and stuff of that nature. Um, it's... I wouldn't say it's completely addictive, but I'll probably uh, I'll probably play it a little bit more over the weekend. It's uh, it's not bad if you kind of want something to to sort of you know not, not really it's sort of sort of pass the time. It's not it's not like involving like like you know like WoW or most other you know top line MMOs are. All right. Well, Mikey, what have you been what have you been up to? We haven't we haven't seen you in a couple weeks since I came. Yeah, I know. Been 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 crazy. Uh, I've recently, I rented Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and I've been putting time into that. Uh, and Blaze Blue Continuum Shift Extends still owns my soul for a little bit, though. <laughs> I, I hear that, you know, what we were talking beforehand, I didn't hear, because that would, that would be like me hearing you third hand, but, right. uh, you, you didn't care for Tekken and Street <laughs> Fighter too much there. No, no, I'm not... I'm not giving. I'm not like. Oh my god! It's the best fighting game ever that has ever crossed our faces ever. I'm kind of like, it's good, but I really just don't care. <laughs> I'm just kind of done. I'm done with Street Fighter. I guess I don't know. Would, well, there you, have been like four Street Fighters. I don't know. Would Would you have preferred it if it was more Tekken than Street Fighter? See, I don't know because I'm kind of more excited to see what Tekken Cross Street Fighter is going to look like. I feel the same way because like, I feel like that'll be an interesting thing to see. Yeah, because like Street Fighter Cross Tekken, like I'm gonna like, oh, this is Street Fighter Four with Tekken tag rules with a whole bunch of freaking over complicated, or well, maybe not over complicated, but like with like they just seem to dump mechanics into this game, like just tons upon tons of mechanics that I don't necessarily know if they need to be in here. It just seems like they threw them all in there just cause. Like I like Pandora mode, gem system, uh, cross assaults. Uh, Super arts, uh, charging moves, canceling them to get counter hits, EX charges to get free supers. Um, there's just a lot of like little mechanics throughout the game that I think is going to add like to the longevity of the game. But I'm just tired of Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I feel that too. Even with all the new stuff, I just so tired of Street Fighter. It's- just like I, it's Street Fighter. I mean, I don't want you. I mean, it doesn't play like Street Fighter Four, though. I will say that it does not. It, everyone that says in the review, if it, if they say, there's two things you know. If the reviews like totally just full of crap to me, is if people say that it plays like Street Fighter Four, or if they say the online code is good because they are crazy. <laughs> I I really hate hearing that like fighting games come out and 
their net code is bad. Oh, or the net like code the is online the sound the sound drops so much, but I will I will rant about this probably. I guess I'm doing the review now for it. I don't know. So I, I guess I'll save some you have later. Excited, you were doing because <laughs> you've played the game. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it's since I'm the one who actually played it. I guess I'll end up reviewing it. I look forward uh, to that getting a high score. Oh, totally! It's going to be a total five. Yeah, all the, the way. Here. <laughs> He's going to change his opinion in the next week. No, uh, I'll be like, um, well, I'm not going to give it. No, I'm not going to like deem a score already. I'll give it a couple more shots of. But that also probably won't care. <laughs> Anyways. We'll be, we'll be getting back to some Street Fighter X Tekken talk later on near the end of the match cast. Oh, yeah, we do. There is something to talk about later. Um, well, me, uh, I've not actually. It's weird. I, I really felt like I've played like a lot. And then I got asked what I played this week. And I was like, uh, game. Yeah, so you- but you played the coolest game, I think, of, I, out of all of us that we played. I think you played the coolest one. I feel like I played the coolest game. I, I got to play Journey. Um, I bought that this week because it's so a week early for PlayStation Plus subscribers. So uh, I got that because I have been waiting for that game. Like I tried so hard to get into the beta for that game. And it's amazing. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. You don't even have any idea like how jealous I am because you got to play Journey and I didn't. It, it's just a beautiful <laughs> game. Like it really is. It's like it's well designed. But like after I finished, like I couldn't even fathom actually like doing a review, like a, a regular type of review for that game. Like I may be writing something about it for the site, um, you know, coming up, but it won't be a review. Like it won't yeah. be like a like this is what you do in Journey because like I can't I can't bring myself to do that to that game. Like that game is more than that. <laughs> but thanks, uh, Rob. I appreciate this considering I'm the one that's gonna have to write the review for Journey. <laughs> it's, it's so great though. It's such a great game. Uh, it, like it's already my game of the year. Uh, Al- I mean, already I, I haven't played everything yet. Um, but right and so far, like now it's my game of the year. Like it's it's got that spot right now. Um. And I played some more Battlefield 3, which I think squarely puts that on my unmentionable list. And messed around with Mass Effect 2 a little bit more because uh, I didn't buy Mass Effect 3 day one. And I'm pretty glad I didn't. Amen. Uh, Amen. Yeah. yeah, I'm not even going to buy it. I'm going to buy it probably, but I, I need to see some stuff get fixed first <laughs> before I do that. Um, but we'll get to that soon, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really been it. I I just haven't like I feel like I played a lot of stuff and really hadn't uh, been spending a lot of time shooting people and just marveling at journey wondrousness. So we're gonna we're gonna move on from the gaming and uh, getting to other gaming things. All right. So we've talked in the past about the Steam box. No, we talked about the Valve box. I, sh- yes, I want to say. I'm sorry. Yes, you guys box. talked about the yes. Valve box, and then when I came back, we talked about the Steam box. And the- <laughs> I thought we still called it the Valve box. Okay. No, it's we- a Steam box now. Everyone, that's the new. That's the new. No, no, no. See, see, that's the thing is they talk about the Steam box, but I think it's really going to be a Valve box, which oh is why we, we could, what's about to happen is about to happen. Okay. <laughs> and what's about to happen is that Valve shat on everyone's dreams. Yeah. Uh, there will not be a a Valve box or a Steam box. No, they only said there's going to be no Steam box. They did not debunk the Valve box. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm pretty sure know. there's not going to be a box involving yeah. Valve anytime soon. I don't I don't know if they if they care if it has a Steam or a Valve or a Valve that emits Steam. Like there just won't be a box. There won't be <laughs> at least in the foreseeable future a Valve console PC type 
setup. Um, not to say that there won't be one in the future, but right now there's not going to be one. Um, I'm holding tight on this. I refuse. Well, to doesn't it, it say like Doug Lombardi told Kotaku that the company is building boxes in quotation marks to test its big picture once again in quotation marks initiative, uh, which will make Steam play nice with PC setups that use television set as a display. So I think that's the whole thing. It is, but they they, they did say that. Um, so they are working on something. They also said they are working with uh, things like a biometric feedback, which is one of the things that got reported on. Um, yeah. The Verge was the one that, that broke and said, you know, after all the, the rumors about Steam, it was still a rumor, basically, but they had more concrete things. Um like saying that it you know it was going to use a core you know i7 G- CPU, eight gigs of RAM, Nvidia GPU, yeah. uh, or run any standard PC titles, and it also would use be able to use the rival gaming services like Origin and things to be loaded up. Um, right. There would be like a reconfigurable controller. Uh, well, I heard that patent is still holding. That they still oh have yeah that they, they they sent they they had the patent last year. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's still. I, obviously, yes, they probably are because they're, if they're trying to make it work with like the, it'll lead to I think a console, but like they're not they're saying like don't expect anything right now like this yeah. year or anything, which is what people were like. Oh my god, rumors! We love that. <laughs> uh, two, two or was it two or three weeks ago? Whenever we, this first started talking, and, and the reason I went to a place of talking about portal guns and, and headsets is because the concept of Valve working on a device that you can connect to your television that has Steam on it, we have that already. I can connect my PC via HDMI cable to my television and download anything I want from Steam, including Realm of the Mad God, which I, you know, as I said, playing this yeah. week, and play that on my TV. That's a Steam box. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe the biometric bracelet that may or may not be real. Um, you know, the, the the configurable controller that that's news. But they even said that would use like a USB port. So again, it really just sounds like a glorified PC, which I I, I can't. I, I'm not surprised that they debunked it because it 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 didn't seem like it was anything really out of the ordinary. It didn't seem like it was innovating that they were to, like they were talking about. Well, I would like thing. to toot my own horn for a second because most of what I said last week. Is, was like totally right <laughs> because and i think that's why they're saying like they're debunking like a console rumor like that they're still working on stuff but the the whole thing is that you know they're saying that they're kind of like trying to go head to head with apple tv and i don't know if it's really head to head so much as it is like here's a solution for gaming for the same sort of thing but i i said from this like i said like there there wouldn't be a you know, a disk drive or anything like that. It's not going to be a console the way that we think about consoles, really. No. So, I I and, and I think that that's the thing. I think that's the difference in, you know, what they're saying as far as like, oh, we're not releasing like, a, you know, a console or hardware because they are, but it's not necessarily a console. But I, even then, like, they're, you know, Steambox, the big picture initiative, who knows when that's going to actually, you know, come up anyway. Because, I mean, they did say they're a long way from them shipping any sort of hardware. So even yeah. if it is big picture or a Apple TV, you know, contender, it's it's a ways off. So uh, got to move so along. We'll see the well, demo at E3. <laughs> <laughs> you can hope. You hold on to your hope because I, I see that you're still holding on to your hope for that. I really want Half-Life 3, too. <laughs> Uh, well, see, this is, uh, this is according to what you guys were saying before. This will help your your 
your hopes for Half-Life because they won't be distracted. They have nothing but time to work on Half-Life because they haven't said anything about Half-Life yet. Yeah. So. I'm not holding my breath either for that for a while. So, anyways. So, yeah, we start with uh, maybe bad news for some people because I, I know people were excited, like Nick, holding on. He's still hanging on to that ring, that, that one <laughs> ring for hope. Um, but uh, we go from bad news to worse news, I guess, <laughs> because... Um, Rainbow Six, uh, which Jarrett was very excited about, and I wish he was here because I just let, oh, I wouldn't like to hear him, but he would just cry actually a lot on the Mash Guys. <laughs> that, that's actually why he's not here because he's off yeah. crying about this right there now. He's too, too broken up to actually show up tonight. He, he couldn't take it, so <laughs> this is why I'm here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Rainbow Six, as awesome as it looked, we saw Target video, um, you know, a couple months ago or within the last couple months. Uh, we had, you know, them talking about the ideas they had for it. It was going to be morally ambiguous, deal with, you know, the financial crisis, terrorism on domestic soil, um, a lot of tough choices with the Rainbow Six team. And it looked amazing. And now Ubisoft has... To use Game Informer's words, decapitated their creative team. Um, Jarrett was a little bit nicer. He said they got shuffled. But got either shuffled. way, either way, their creative director was is gone. Um, also, mm. their narrative director, which both of those are a little bit scary. Yeah, it's a little scary. Um, David Sears, David Sears, who was the creative director, and Richard Rouse the third was the narrative director. They're both gone from the project. There may be there. There may even be other people underneath that have gotten shuffled off somewhere. We don't know, but those were the two that were confirmed. Um, Ubisoft has since said, um, and this is their quote: "David Sears is no longer on the Rainbow and the Tam Clancy's Rainbow Six Patriots team, and new creative director and the new creative director is Sean John Sebastian DeCant." The development team is still hard at work to deliver the next installment of the revered Tom Clancy series, and more details on the game will be revealed at a later date. Uh, on top of that, I have also seen that uh, they confirmed that like nothing about the story is going to change. They're not doing away with anything that's already been kind of set for the story. It's still going to be you know the gritty, morally ambiguous um, deal. But all the same, that's that's what's going on. Yeah, but, uh, are they going to be able to pull anything off that was as cool as that demo? Like that demo that they, that trailer that they showed, it just, it was crazy. And they just cut off the people that help make that. Are they? I mean, it happens though. I mean, like that, that happens a lot. I, I mean, I, they help I make it, but I, that's the thing. Like, I don't, when did we first hear about that? Does anybody else remember? Oh, no, it was a while ago. I feel like it was like near the end of last year. But either way, like, right. yeah, not something that was like I want to say like November, but that may be wrong. Um, but like it wasn't something that was like in development like a super long time. Like that's the thing that worries me is that okay, they, they then the video was only a target video. It wasn't actually gameplay or demo. Like it was just target video. Yeah. So that's not even actual gameplay being implemented yet. I mean, I think that they could still pull it off, but it I'm I it worries me too that the top two people that kind of like created the vision for what the game is going to be are gone. Makes me wonder if that scene will actually even be in the game now. 
I'm sure that'll be like the, if anything, if everything else gets changed, it'll be like the one thing they keep. Like, see, it's still the same game to get you into it, and then they're just gonna pull the bug from under you later. They'll pull a heavy rain. They had that one scene for a demo, and then it never came into actually play during heavy rain. <laughs> oh, so, so Did, we, you know what I'm talking? No, never mind. <laughs> so we have like no idea then, as far as like how long they are in development then, or, or even how crucial. I mean, presumably this is the creative director. You would assume he's crucial, but it is. It's possible maybe that the people replacing him have been doing all the heavy lifting all along. I mean, this doesn't need to be bad news, right? It doesn't need to be. It's just one of those worrying things, especially like after you've seen so much or, you know, and heard like so many things and people get excited. It it just I think it's a natural reaction to be worried when there's like a change that happened. Didn't didn't Assassin's Creed like redo their whole creative team recently? Recently though. I mean, like that was after I mean like but 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 revelations wasn't really like a super great game either. Oh, but the, the the what the the new one coming out looks looks good so far as for as little as we know about it. It it does, but it can look cool <laughs> and not actually be cool. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'll say what I said last week, which is I'm happy they're moving on to an, another numbered installment, like a number three, and moving on in the story. So I would kind of be happy regardless of what they do, as long as they actually move ahead. Yeah, I'm Rainbow Six is Rainbow Six is something that's been kind of you know off on the sidelines for a long while, and they were bringing it back, and it looked like it was coming back with a vengeance. And it could still, you're right, it doesn't have to be bad news, but shuffle every damn shuffling. Oh God. <laughs> so anyway. Uh... Um... <laughs> Moving on. I think we Are you rock that joke. Did... Did we really just... Oh, LMFAO. Anyways. <laughs> Who doesn't like LMFAO, though? Really? No, I was... I'm just, I just can't believe you used that joke. <laughs> I used it. That's like the Felicia joke <laughs> we heard it. earlier that we're not going to repeat. We should repeat it. Nick, Nick, tell the joke. And, uh. and see if... Yeah. <laughs> you don't even want to tell the joke. No, I'll tell it. I'll tell... Well, you know, I, I was all excited, and then you guys kind of just stone-faced it. So, um, no, okay. So, what what uh, does Felicia of uh, Darkstalkers fame use to zip her files? Winrar. <laughs> all right, new topic. Uh, um. <laughs> so, yes. Moving on. And... and, and he did not say that he didn't specify which Felicia. No, was. he just now did. I've learned. He I, I thought he was talking jokes, about. Jokes are living creatures. They evolve as they they go along. So every 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 time you tell it, you're 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 iterating it. All right. right. So the, so the Mashcast listeners just got version 2.0 of the Felicia joke. Uh, I version hope you guys. Well. About 3.0 of Mass Effect then. <laughs> Nice segue. Nice segue. <laughs> Not awkward at all. But yes, we're going to talk about Mass Effect because uh, as we mentioned before, we're all pretty happy we did not get it on day one. And there's some reasons for that. Um, actually, a number of reasons. Uh, I'm just going to just tick off the reasons and then we'll all lose our minds. <laughs> um, the first thing that, that came to light uh, was that Mass Effect 3, if you created your Shepard in Mass Effect 1, and when you went to Mass Effect 2, you can import your game and carry over your Shepard, and you didn't change anything about your Shepard to Per 2, Mass Effect 3 cannot recognize your Shepard from the last game. Why Why like, would you what? change your Shepard? Why would... I, I, 
I don't know. I, I, I mean, that's the thing. I, 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 you know, having recently played through the intro to Mass Effect 2, like when you go through the parts where they give you the opportunity to sort of, you know, update your Shepard's history or, or no, this is all just cosmetic changes. Or, or if you did change like Shepard's history for whatever change, reason. like their face. Like if okay. you went to Mass Effect 2 and you changed their face, like Mass Effect 3 will recognize it. But if you didn't make any changes, if you're like, okay, that's my Shepard. Cool. Let's go. Yeah, but that's, that's. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of being the import. Is this is the person that I played with for you know like what like thirty, forty some odd hours before? I want to stay with that person. I like that face. But and it's so arbitrary too that if you just chose not to because that is who you picked, now you're screwed. Like you have to recreate your shepherd. Like it it asks you to recreate your shepherd. I'm assuming that all of your choices and everything are still the same, but it cannot recognize the actual shepherd facial wise that you create. I hope that's all it is because I mean that if if you if I mean you've played through both these games and now you can't bring that character over that 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 defeats the whole point that's terrible. I that was the one thing that like before I heard any other news when I heard that I was like I'm glad I'm glad I didn't buy it because I know for a fact that I my my shepherd I actually intend to carry over from my 360 gameplays because I played Mass Effect one and two on 360. I didn't change anything in Mass Effect two. I know for a fact I didn't and I would be beyond mad if I had bought Mass Effect day one. And put it in, and then it told me I needed to make a new shepherd. I'd be like, I I would like throw my 360 out the window. I oh my I, god, I, I wouldn't even know what to do. What and the that's f- just and the, okay, that's the first. Yeah, what? that that's just the first thing. How that's can... just the first thing. Bioware, so. what the hell? No, like when did, when did Bioware start dropping the ball so hard? <laughs> when they had a blockbuster that people would buy regardless. I don't know. I don't oh. know. When, when they put it on Origin. Oh. Oh. What I don't understand is is you would think that like that should be an obvious thing to test is oh let's take a shepherd you know modified in the first one and then not changed in the second one like in all of the the, the beta playthroughs that they did that never came up. I and- that's what I wondered. That that was my thought that like nobody quality assurance testing said if we take a mass if we take a mass effect one say move it to two and then move it to three are there any issues why would you not do that like you were shitting over people who played your game in the first place like oh, from the beginning God. that's what it, what it comes who love down. your game who love your game yeah so you know this- but like i said it's not the only problem we'll, we'll get we'll come back to it we'll come back to it because we're going to talk about this whole thing yeah. there's more problems yes my, my heart is literally heavy from all of this news right now <laughs> is it he- like well, we gotta let everybody else know what the rest of it is? <laughs> yeah, let's 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 talk about so the number other two. Ones. Number two, second thing that came up: uh, Mass Effect 3's ending is tied to forced multiplayer participation. That according is so to game politics. Oh, that's that is not. So that's that not is... entirely true. It's it's not, but it's it's close to it, true. Well, it's. I mean, basically what they've done is they've set it up where you have this, what, the, the readiness rating, and, you know, you can get that through many different ways, be it either, you know, the decisions that you've made through the three games, through the the, the, the added-on multiplayer, even you can get uh, you can get bonuses to that through the uh, the Infiltrator game, uh, which okay. is, I think, think for the, uh, that's what, for the iPad, I think, or the iPod? Yeah. Well, okay, but here's my problem. The minute you start messing with my single-player single player experience because of something multiplayer or something outside of my single player you just like stepped all over my storyline that i cared about 
Yeah, it, it's tough because not everybody wants to play multiplayer. And the way that, and, and I know that's not exactly true, but here, this is this is what they say, actually. Um, Game Politics posted this, but it actually came from PC Gamer. Um, and I'll just read it down. They, they say you get a pretty lousy ending if you don't play multiplayer Mass Effect 3. Um, they said that the best way to, the, decided the best way to encourage quote-unquote, co-op play in the game was to tie it to the single-player ending. Um, like, like Nick said, they you get uh, war assets and readiness uh, are things that you earn from different you things. Uh, war assets are from a culmination of sources. The most prominent are the decisions you made in the previous games and the ones you make in this one. Um, war assets are the people and armies whose help you earn. And uh, the way that... They're saying that the way that Bioware designed the game is questionable. Um, and if you, you you have to basically make like really perfect choices like and perfect being like i guess what bioware determines is perfect choices in order to get the white right amount of war assets in order to get through the game without having to do multiplayer like yeah. and, and get a better but, ending but given given the massive threat that the reapers are supposed to represent um especially given you know and given the galactic nature of all three games it almost feels like it should make sense that you should have to go through and play every game perfectly diplomatically in order to earn the trust and loyalty of the entire universe and and yeah right, even if you but, screw over right, one person then, that could ultimately affect you in the end right but, i agree but then why would it why would multiplayer buff my apt uh, ability to get that why multiplayer i think well i think what they were trying to do and i don't and clearly we'll see again not having played the game and certainly not having played the game to anywhere near its completion um you know we can't say for certain but i think what they were trying to do is offer offer people sort of alternatives for that you know if you really don't feel like doing every single mission because that's one it sounds like one of the ways you can really jack jack up your, your readiness rating is to do every little side mission that you find on every right, single little planet, every planet, planet do every little thing and, and if you really don't feel like doing that well then you've got the multiplayer as an option if you don't feel like doing the multiplayer and you've got an iPad, you can play the Infiltrator game as an option. I think what they were trying to do is give people, you know, sort of different ways to get that ending. And I guess it looks like the multiplayer is the easiest of the three. Um, I personally plan on playing the hell out of that game and doing every single mission I can. Um, that's why I'm still playing Mass Effect 2 after all these weeks, because that's what I'm doing there, uh, is, you know, in order, in order to up my readiness. And I hope, I hope that I'll, I'll get a nice ending, because I really am not much for the multiplayer. Um, but if, yeah, if, if it turns out I mean, if this turns out to be legitimately true, which, you know, I, I'll be very disappointed. I kind of think it's just people maybe misunderstanding the situation. It, it could be. I don't know. I kind of I'm, I'm like on the fence because on the one hand, it's tough to say, like, number one, like if I was going to play Mass Effect 3, my first thing would not be to play multiplayer at all or like even to play multiplayer like while I'm playing in a single player campaign. Like I would go through single player first, like me personally, I would go through single player first. And then if I wanted to mess with multiplayer after that to kind of extend my gameplay, then I would do that. Yeah, and, you know, before I, I go back and play the game over again and the way that it's the way that I, you know, I guess like to give you another option, but like that interrupts the way that I play the game personally. And it, it really shouldn't do that because like any kind of a tie-in that can affect it like in a down in a, in a kind of a downward way, I feel like shouldn't be there, like shouldn't be there. Like I should be able to play the game the, the way that I want to play it without having to play some other aspect that has never been there before and have it screw up how, how my game goes. My other thing though is that a less than inspirational ending or like a not good ending or a lousy ending is kind of subjective because 
in Mass Effect 2, depending on your choices, and that game had no multiplayer or anything, you could get a whole lot of people killed by the end of Mass Effect 2. And yeah, but... it's based on your choices. The thing I don't like is the it's the ambiguity the, the ambiguity that in Mass Effect 3 that it may not just be because of your choices, but also because you didn't play multiplayer. That's what I don't like. But at the same I... time, I, it's one of those weird things because I, I think it is just supposed to be more options. I don't know. To, to me, this seems like they're just trying to push multiplayer instead of like... Like, I don't know about y'all, but I liked how Assassin's Creed handled its multiplayer and it added on to the story in the sense of like, well, there's Templars training and all that other kind of stuff. So it added on to the story instead of like either lowering, like, I guess, depending on your, I guess, how people feel about it, like lowering the quality of the story versus like increasing the quality of the story is like what I'm getting. But like... <laughs> I, I just don't think multiplayer should have that much of an impact on my single player. But then again, I don't know what the difference is between the two endings. Cause yeah, I haven't, it's hard to say. Yeah, and it, and I don't even feel like there's just two endings. Like I feel like there's more than just two endings because mass like there's a range of possibilities in Mass Effect. So I don't I don't know. Like right, it's hard to say, especially without but, seeing the ending. But I don't want to see the ending. <laughs> but like my problem is though is. If the ending changes on my single player experience because of the things I've done in my single player, cool. My ending changes because I like get killed fifty bajillion times in multiplayer because I suck at multiplayer, and my ending sucks because of that. Then that's I, that that just drives, I, that just kind of angers me a little. The one particularly damning uh, quote from uh, what Tom Francis, though, uh, when he's talking about all this, uh, is that he, he he points out that the one of the ways to excel in the multiplayer is to use the unlockable items, which you can purchase with real money. So sort of mm. the allegation here isn't just that, you know, isn't just that you get the good ending through multiplayer. You effectively have to pay for it, um, which, again, that, that that seems like a harsh criticism. I, 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 it, it almost seems too harsh for me to say that it's true, but it's out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say it's too harsh to be true because, I mean, biz, like I wouldn't it's necessarily put it on Bioware. <laughs> I, I, it businesses, period. Any like gaming companies, period. Right now, like they are, yeah. are trying to find any way to kind of extend, it, you know, people sticking with the game and spending a little more money on it. And Mass Effect Three, for all intents and purposes, wraps up a trilogy. I don't know if there's any intention to go beyond three or like you know. I think as it's, far as Shepard's story, I well, guess. I think was. it's like Halo, like Master Chief's story is over. I think Shepard's Shepherd, right. story is over, but the universe will, the universe will continue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, like, it, again, to, it to have it round, you know, wrap up like that and you don't know what's next or how that's going to get received, like, they're trying to keep people with it as much as possible. And unfortunately, like, sometimes shadiness kind of enters it or, or ways that do affect your single player you know because if you just play single player and you play the game a couple times through and you only send sixty dollars in the game to them they're like oh well i got that sixty dollars from them but what if i could get more you know if you suck people in the multiplayer get them to pay for some stuff they're all happy they don't they don't really care what happens to your to your game more or less um there is one other thing and and this one i we could talk about this for a minute or we can just move on afterwards and just let it hang out there um, there is a one other one uh, about Mass Effect, and I'm not gonna try and spoil anything. Um, but if anybody knows the character Tali from Mass Effect, Ooh, I, 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 may, I may have to leave for a moment. <laughs> 
I don't know if you I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin anything, but basically the character ends up masked, like it through the majority of the series. Like in Mass Effect Two, she can unmask, but you don't ever actually see her face. Mm-hmm. In three, there's the possibility that you can see her face for the first time. Really? Which makes sense because last. Maybe it'd be a good reveal. Unfortunately, it wasn't. What? Because Bioware used a stock photo for her reveal. What? They used a what? A stock photo. Of, I, like, I'm not going to tell you of what. It, it's, of, it's a picture of a person, but it's barely changed. But it, so like, she's supposed to look like an actual person? More or less. That? There's some there's some changes because I did I did actually look at the picture because I was like, this well, is... it's not gonna kill anything for me, and they didn't change like it's a stock photo that's not altered all that much. <sighs> and now we have the sad period. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> I, do, do you guys Why? have anything, or is do you just want to cry? Is this the bit? is this the week of where like game companies just want to push stuff out and then like. Everyone figures out these horrible things about them. It's like, what well, is March? <laughs> so, <laughs> like Mass Effect, Street Fighter. What, like, what, uh, what other games are gonna come out that everyone just finds tons of problems with? So, at, at what point in the last year did Bioware just decide it was just gonna go full on Renegade? I I don't know. <laughs> they, just, they just went Renegade to Paragon. They decided for the third game they were gonna go full Renegade. Mm. Uh, it went far enough that they unlocked the use stock photo for Tally's face option. Oh. Let's move on. Email comes in. Yeah, we, we need to move on. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of yes. being depressed. I'm tired. Okay. Let's, let's go. Yeah, we do need to move <laughs> like on. I've been gutted. Do we have good news yet? Hold on. Um, <laughs> no, more bad I, no, news. No, not really. This is kind of, not necessarily a depressing Mazcast, but it's it's not <laughs> it's happy. Not it's way. not like a super happy one. Um. The next topic, uh, GameStop CEO J. Paul Raines uh, says that platform holders can't push them out, although that's kind of an inflammatory title uh, from game industry. Uh, what he actually said was that more or less that platform owners could have cut us off a long time ago, but what happens is that GameStop has a relationship with the customer deep and sticky enough that it isn't in their best interest to do so. And they're basically talking about, um, you know, like Sony, Microsoft, like the actual platform, like console holders. Um, I'm going to let you guys start because I have thoughts about GameStop. <laughs> Always have thoughts to, about GameStop. I used to work for GameStop. I think everybody and, has. Like, <laughs> I don't think they have that good of a relationship as they think they do. <laughs> oh. Uh, the thing is, though, he didn't say good. No. He said deep and sticky enough. This, this yeah. sounds like your 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 druggy brother being like, "Oh, they're not going to kick me out, you know, even though I'm I don't have a job and I just stay home getting high all day doing nothing. They're not going to kick me out because I'm I'm the brother." I, and then they I, realize like, "No, you're the dr- you're the druggy. You got to get out of the house. You're not contributing anything." Like, I don't think they I don't think they completely see how, you know, it's like what else like is there that you this, can ever get rid of? Cockroaches. This, like Well, here's here's the problem. Until another form or another thing opens up to allow people to have easy access to go get disc-based games, they've kind of got a good corner of the market right now. Oh, Until they do. Something... They, they absolutely do have a good corner So of the that's why the game developers or game publishers or whatever cannot ignore them completely. I'd see... 
I feel like uh, maybe now we've gotten to the point where they can't, but I guess that's my problem is that like they could have cut them off a long time ago, but I don't yeah. know I don't know if they ever saw like the actual danger quote unquote because it depends on how you feel about used games, but the danger that GameStop posed to you know their profit margins and all that stuff. GameStop doesn't have a good relationship with their fucking customers. Like, no, they really don't. It's if it's rare and it has nothing to do with GameStop itself. It has to do with individual employees at individual stores. If they have a good relationship with anybody, you know, I've seen I've seen customers. I've, I've worked, you know, GameStop as well. I've seen customers that will like follow a manager or system manager or go to a store because of the staff. And I've seen people who will flat out abandon GameStop altogether because a store gets closed down and all their all the people that were in it go, you know, elsewhere or stores get broken up or somebody gets moved and then the store gets goes to shit and people yep. people leave as if GameStop was that awesome people would stay with GameStop now there's a difference between like like I said he didn't say good relationship he said deep and sticky enough you yeah. get people with the fucking cards and the used games it's like the only real place you can get used games anymore it's the closest thing you can get to a rental in most places although Apparently, Mikey still has a game, I a, blockbuster. a blockbuster. I found a blockbuster in a family video. <laughs> so I, he's like the only person on earth who's still got a blockbuster that's open near him. Um, good old Texas. <laughs> was, also, yeah, I know. But there's also like, and you have to dig for these area, these uh, stores. But there's stores around here called like Console Game Exchange. They do the same thing GameStop does. Uh, Entertain Mart does like what GameStop does, but does it with videos, music, and games. Uh, we've got uh, a movie trading company uh, that does it too. It's just, it's just everybody knows that fucking name of GameStop. It, it, they've they made themselves, they bought out enough people, and they've put themselves in enough places, which is everywhere because there's a GameStop like every fucking mile. Um, that I can't drive. Down, I can't drive down a block in Dallas without freaking seeing one. It's like Starbucks, only not. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it it is like it's the Starbucks of video games, and not necessarily in a good way. Um, but I mean, like it, it, the, yeah, they kind of can't push them out now. In fact, the publishers, platform holders, everybody cowtows the GameStop now. The I only mean, way they can is to go full digital. But even, yeah, and that'll even, be no, the, even then, I don't think that'll stop them because no, one of the, stop. What, what, no, one of the points that Reigns Reigns makes is that that the uh, for Modern Warfare Three, the Elite package, that GameStop accounted for over six hundred thousand downloads. So even even though they're not even in the actual digital arena, they're still in the digital arena. Six hundred thousand out of Modern Warfare Three. That's is what not he says. A he, lot though. That's not a lot though. He that's said, like. It's it's more than less zero. Than it's well, less I mean, than it's more than I would have expected. Good, Actually, it's, it's less than number. like an eighth. It's a it's a decent number. But the thing right. is, though, GameStop can never resell those ever, and that's the thing that like they don't go away. But if digital becomes a big thing, GameStop is hamstrung because wish... GameStop only exists only and anybody who's worked there can attest to this. Like as well as anybody who's ever looked at their financials or anything else. The only reason that GameStop even still has stores open is because of used games but, because yeah. of the profit margin that used they make games. back on used games but they know Only this reason. they know uh, they know this and i think that sticky relationship i think they're gonna they're gonna it's just sticky enough that they'll be able to slime their way into whatever that the, the, the gaming industry morphs into you know they, they, they will they, but they i don't think they'll ever do as well as they are now they purchase dimples yeah. they purchase spawn labs they, they maybe they won't do as well but i think they'll they'll survive they're, like i said they're like a cockroach like you know the nuclear war is coming they'll still be crawling around under your refrigerator after they'll still so. be crawling around but they won't they won't be able to you know like force so much you know like you. 
so much you know power and throw their weight around on stuff. I mean, like Batman Arkham City came out and Catwoman was like a DLC like for buying the game new. GameStop, the biggest seller of used games, got Warner Brothers to give them DLC codes to give out with the used copies of the games they sold so people could get Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Completely undermining the purpose, and there's so many other more examples that are like that. But like GameStop does that all the time, and I think that if you do go digital, like they lose that kind of weight to throw around. They must have pictures of a lot of people in compromising positions because that really doesn't make sense. I, I know, but that's how GameStop works. Like that, that they can't push them out now because they do have that that corner of the market. Digital comes along, they may stick around, but that Not sort of long. power doesn't doesn't fly anymore i don't think but um gonna move along here um i and i personally don't have too much to say about this but at gdc which is um well is was going on i think we're coming up to the last days um of gdc uh punit sony uh he's the lead product manager for google plus games and mobile uh he basically said the games are the key to success of google plus um he said that you know it's games that have the most potential for driving innovation and growth, and uh, it's natural that Google would make the games an integral part of Google+. They So they realized very early on that developers are key partners, and I guess he was speaking to the crowd at GDC. He said, we need to learn from you guys and build a very compelling social platform. And he called Google+, he said it's essentially Google 2.0, and which means this is Google that's powered by a social layer. Uh, it has over 100 million monthly active users and 50 million daily active users. And um, he said that they spend over over an hour a day on Google properties, which is not hard because Google is everywhere. <laughs> I mean, on your phone. You can count that as a Google property. <laughs> and um, they reported a 5 to 10% uplift on search ads with social annotation, which I think is the like plus ones and things of that nature that they've started implementing. Um, like, oh, your friends, you know, recommended this or whatever. Um, let's see. They He said their August 2011 closed launch had 16 games. He called that conservative. And they basically want to expand. He said as the months go on, the company's going to get a grip on the needs of game developers and they're going to start increasing ramping up you know how much how many games you see on google you won't just see you won't be talking about google plus games chrome games games for native client android games they'll be talking about google games that's what he says well i like that but i don't know if games is really going to be the lifesaver google plus i feel the same way like i know that google plus has a lot of people on it and i like google plus more than i like facebook and yet I can't seem to get away from Facebook. I've stopped using Facebook, but no one uses Google Plus, I know. Like, everybody, like, I I can't, the, my normal clique of people still haven't made that convergence over, so I feel like if, because I'm away from Facebook now, that I'm missing on on something, but I just, I've gotten over it. That's why I haven't, like, that's why I haven't, like, been able to get away from it. Like, Facebook has a deep and sticky relationship, much like GameStop. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> actually that's actually very that's a very good comparison. Actually, like it, it's be, it, it, you have so many friends and family and stuff that are on Facebook that and, you feel like you're. Missing. And Facebook no. does have the compromising pictures. 
Like I left yeah, Facebook for Google Plus. Just, that's stupid. Like I left Facebook for Google Plus and deleted my Facebook. And my aunt called me. It was like, "Why did you delete me from Facebook?" And I was like, "I didn't. I deleted all, all of it." <laughs> and that's all they noticed. <laughs> but that's what. But, but that's how Facebook works. Because you're not the only person I've heard say that. Where like, yeah, it's the family members that are keeping them on there. We need to get. If really the success of Google Plus will not be games, it's the ants. If we can get the ants over there, <laughs> then everybody will get stuck there. It, no, it, it's the fact that it just it's not it doesn't have every it it doesn't have the power that Facebook has. This because is of the critical problem. mass of people as represented by ants. No. <laughs> yes, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I can't disagree with that really. I, I think I think the thing is that gaming will help Google Plus become a bigger a player, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, bigger than it already is, because 100 million is is nice. 50 million daily active users is nice, but it isn't. It's not Facebook numbers. It really isn't. Like yeah. even though Facebook has seen a drop, like Facebook is in the billions, not in the millions. Um, and for Google being the powerhouse that they are, they can't be happy with the with those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that games will help Google Plus become a bigger platform for people. But I don't know if it will ever book, reach that critical mass of aunts <laughs> that need right. Well, because I think it's, it's very much a social. Facebook is very, very social, and games are social, but it's not the same thing. Needing to stay on Facebook because you want to keep up with your family, as opposed right. to I want to go on Google Plus to play some games. Yeah, but if they right. can get a, if they can get a game that sort of transcends, like Farmville, sort of transcended Facebook. Well, uh, and effectively, it, it lifted Facebook, and I think it got to the point where that critical mass of, of, of ants occurred. I think that's what that's I think that's what he's talking about. Is they need sort of that game where people are like, okay, I'm at work, you know, I got my spreadsheet up, but on my other monitor, I got to be clicking over and checking whatever I'm checking in my Google Plus game to make sure that that's still going on and I, and, and doing that. And and I think that's what they're looking for. That's what they're expecting to sort of drive well, the success. Well, remember we do we do have Bastion out for a browser now using is it, it's Chrome right? I think Chrome. Yes, it was on Chrome. So if we data. can get if we can get a game like Bastion on like Chrome going, can you imagine probably the kind of game that we could that they could produce that could suck people in on Plus? Well, they have the the capacity the capacity to make really really good games. I'm not doubting that at all. In fact, the the only thing that really like I didn't really have all that much to say about this article even though we we did any did anyway. But the thing that got me is like Google Games, could you imagine? <laughs> like, no, I'm just actual, like I, like Google Games publishing type thing. No, like it'd be like awesome. Like I'm it, it's it's an awesome idea. I just hope it like takes off. Like I I hope it's just not, you know, too little too late. Yeah. And so, well, we'll see. Though we'll I, see. I think that they'll do well with it, but I don't know if they if they ever hit. You know, I think that the whole point of this is like for them to kind of like slug it out with Facebook, and and Facebook is just is is like more than like a just a platform anymore. Like it's become like a whole like social experience. Like it's a life unto itself for a lot of people. So it's hard to contend with that. But they're trying to find ways. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Yeah. More stuff from GDC. Uh, I kind of want to slap this guy in the face for what he said, but go ahead and tell the story. I got to tell what they said first. <laughs> They're like, wow, Mikey just wants to fucking hurt people. <laughs> um, I play fighters. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, uh, so basically what happened at GDC, um, uh, Phil Fish, he's an indie games designer. His his, his big game has been Fez, uh, which I'm not even sure is actually out yet, like officially out. 
on on Xbox, but it's it's a game that's been on Xbox. He's been working to finish it, and he's he was a big part of the documentary, um, the uh, the indie game movie that has has become rather big. But what happened was that they were having a after a screening of indie game the movie, um, there was a Q and A discussion, and the Okay, Fez is, is still unreleased at this moment. Um, but what happened at the Q&A is that uh, it, it started off positive, but yeah. then a Japanese developer, like, he came up and asked, you know, after, came up and asked the question. Um, and actually, I, I have the name of the Japanese developer now um, that nobody really knew. They just said an unknown Japanese developer for a while. Um, but the guy's name is Makoto Goto. Um, he's on Twitter uh, under Squash Sesame. And he took the he took the mic to just took to the mic to say you know he he liked the movie a lot and he was pleased to see how many independent developers have been inspired by games like Super Mario Brothers and Zelda since their childhood, um, and then he asked uh, what the panel thought of modern Japanese games, and Phil Fish immediately replied, "Your games just suck." Um, and the reaction was just like all over the place in the crowd. They said some people were cheering, some people like weren't so cool with it. And kind of a firestorm of controversy, if you want to call it that, even though it's kind of cliche, broke out uh, about his statements. Um, but basically, uh, to this point, uh, like Fish hasn't hasn't really taken it back. Like he he still said like he's like they 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 think like he, he said like I may have gone about the way that I, I said it wasn't too tactful, but yeah, Japanese games do just suck right now. They just fucking suck. Um, but the way that develop, like, you know, because everybody's at GDC right now, uh, they said that others looked on awkwardly as the Japanese developer was then subjected to a string of criticisms about game design flaws. And he nevertheless flanked, thanked the panel and for their response to return to a seat. Other people afterwards said that the guy actually just left right afterwards, which I can't blame him for. Yeah, that's, embar- that's an embarrassing spot to be put in. Yeah. Um, Develop says that after the Q&A, many attendees were heard to be privately criticizing Fish's comments, uh, though some went public with their complaints. Um, the, a developer and filmmaker, Zach Guido, uh, tweeted Fish to say, it's shameful to sit on a panel discussing an inspiring, heartfelt film and then arrogantly disrespect someone's culture. And other people also had things to say as well. Um, nobody really defended his comments on Twitter. Um, although it has been said, and it's not in this actual article, but that Jonathan Blow was a little more constructive, but equally as kind of... Demeaning? Yeah, towards Japanese games. Um, so, yeah. Like, basically, that's... It, it's kind of, like, kind of like a... I don't want to call it a low point, but it's definitely like a low point in GDC like I've heard I've been seeing nothing but like you know happy uplifting stuff on on Twitter regarding GDC Um, we're not there uh, this year but but this was definitely kind of like a ooh like yeah great moment (laughs) like I understand that like the Japanese like it's it's very apparent that the Japanese developers are kind of not stepping up their game lately I mean I think the article that uh, that we read uh, talked about uh, Keiji Inafune and how at TGS in September 2009 he was all like uh, crap the Japanese aren't making Japan 
isn't doing so hot, yada, yada, yada. But for, I don't know, it just seems insulting that a guy named uh, Phil Fish, right, I think? Phil Fish is the guy's Phil name. Fi- Phil Fish, who designed this indie game and was in this movie, can j- just freaking with no respect at all just flat out says your game suck like have some respect like seriously like i know the japanese like developers right now are not at the top of their game but look at the history they've had like they've inspired a lot of people and have done a lot of great things but he's not—he's not saying that the games of the past were bad. He's, he's criticizing the games of today. I mean, and, and and I guess one of the things about you know g- you know gaming if it's to evolve, you know, is is that if effectively you know if you can look at Japanese games as part of gaming's history and things have moved on since then. Um, what I'm a little—I guess what, I, what I'm confused about is what is what what's defined as a Japanese game? Is it just something developed in Japan? Like, wouldn't I, that? I think that's what it's really. Would, yeah. yeah. So wouldn't that qualify? Like he's saying, like all the Mario games, would they fall as like Japanese development? You say- and somebody actually made that point in another article I read um, that it's a slippery slope to say like modern Japanese game. Actually, it was Kotaku um, that I forget who wrote the article, but they they said that it is it's a slippery slope to call to say just blanket say modern Japanese game sucks because then you're talking about shoot 'em ups, you're talking about fighters, you're talking about you know the Mario Brothers mm-hmm. and Zelda games that are still getting made. Like you're talking about a lot of different stuff that doesn't qualify as bad you yeah. know you you're, you're even talking about um oh i can't think out oh, like uh like vanquish uh stuff like that like stuff that maybe not doesn't, doesn't do well stuff, like, yeah. stuff that doesn't do necessarily like well financially but critically like they're they're decent they're, they're good, good they're good games um i it's tough because like after having seen so much of it the problem with this is that like yeah the way he said this is really pretty shitty um but you know, like there, it, it's weird though because like GDC is is about as for developers as much as like media might be there and stuff like that. It's really for developers and about developers, and I mean everybody is different. But like uh, that, I've seen a lot of developers since then say like you know no developer needs stuff to be sugar coated for them. You know if you come up and you ask a question, you know you you have to be able to like kind of like take criticism and be able to like because right. that's how you grow. Right. Um, but how does saying to a developer your game suck right how's well that's, that that how was is like that helpful like that was that's... kind of the main problem because it wasn't it was it was critical like it like like to come out like that and that but like he did he did give criticism but it's one thing to give criticism it's another thing to just dog somebody altogether for yeah. stuff because i mean like let's be kind of like well let's be honest period but I mean, indie games, like how many indie games take inspiration from something that's Japanese? That, yeah. like, we wouldn't have modern gaming as it stands without Japan coming in and saving our asses. And not just that, think of like what Japanese might say about Americans. Oh, y'all like to hide behind gray walls all the time. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what? I was like thinking of like a game development choice that a lot of American. That a lot of people use. I was like, cover behind games. Oh, people oh, like that. Oh, you, okay, third the, person cover systems and stuff. Yeah, like. third person gray walls and brown everywhere. Like meant, Anyways, like, I thought you meant like in the country. I'm like, wait, what? No, <laughs> like we just hide like, behind gray walls. Like, no, we I meant like for our whole, architectural design choices. I don't know. 
talking about like how like most like cover systems just like let's just hide behind gray walls and make everything dirt brown and shit like i don't know but that's thing and that's and that's a slippery slope because like okay like i get it phil fish is an indie developer and, and from everything i've heard he's very talented i've never seen i've never really like played fez or anything or like seen too much about it like it looks vaguely interesting but i mean it's it, from to hear people, other people tell of it, like his first game was basically like a remake of Res. Like it was basically like a Res remake, which Japanese game, you know? Like, yeah, I was about to say. Um, uh, <laughs> like it, it's tough because like so much stuff is inspired by other stuff. I, my thought is kind of like almost like you know movies and books and everything else. Like there's not there's there's very few new ideas in game development as much as there are very few new ideas in the, the those other mediums. And it's just people finding like a new way to present it that's interesting and 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 you know makes people want to play it. But there's not any new ideas. This is the whole point. Like I you could point to tons of examples of western development being just as shitty because how many games do we have where we have a nameless super soldier type hero taking on some imminent alien threat or you know non-domestic threat to america and or earth or the three-sided war cliche yeah, that i'm so like, sick of you know <laughs> shooter like you can point to being almost the fucking same now third person games like mikey mentioned you know where it'll all cover systems and gears of war and all that stuff you know like how many games do you have to have about you know war and soldiers and cursing and stuff like indie development is a little bit different but even indie development is still influenced by something else like there's no new ideas and that's and you just have to find new ways to put ideas together i guess and and on the one hand like it's it's weird to see people get so worked up because the counter to this is that after this came out like people the game community is kind of shitty sometimes and sometimes. so like this dude was subjected to like phil fish like even though his comment wasn't like great like the dude didn't like sit up there and say like your game fucking sucks i can wipe my ass with japan like he said that like your games just suck like yeah. and the thing is like keiji and afune other japanese developers say that and like nobody even turns ahead like everybody's like yeah they do because like we can be honest that there are a lot of japanese games just like western games that aren't that good Oh yeah. So I don't think that that is so much the problem. I think the problem is how he said it. Yeah, and, it's just and I if think he would have said if he would have said something. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just think if he would said, "Well, your games aren't very good," or if he was even if you said you'd suck, and then followed it with like a list of like, "But this is what you could do to improve so you don't suck anymore," or something like that. But like, I don't know. I just. It's just GDC supposed to like it's like you said earlier. GDC supposed to be like the coming together of developers to have this conference to make everybody better, and it just didn't seem like it. It didn't. It didn't fit. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's easy to be like kind of flippant about certain things, especially when you're in like like a certain position. Like, oh well, I'm taking the Q and A. Like, and you say something like, I've heard people say that you know, like developer reported it and said it was real fucking awkward. People, you know, kind of acted all kinds of different ways about it. I've heard other people say that the whole the whole thing was funny. And I think that's slippery because it, it can be funny. But how funny was it to the Japanese guy? You know, yeah. like, it, just because it was funny doesn't necessarily mean it was okay. Yeah. You know, like, I've heard other people say that, like, you know, they did give constructive criticism after, like, that kind of, like, inflammatory remark. But what everybody latched onto was the inflammatory remark to start. And it, it, there's so many different opinions in it. You know, like, even just among, like, the... the developers that are at GDC, like, I've seen so much stuff on Twitter about it that, like, 
at first I was like, wow, that's pretty shitty. And afterwards I'm like, it's pretty shitty, but well, yeah. <laughs> like that's what I thought after a while reading stuff. Um, uh, we need to move on, but I mean, yeah. anything else that any other thoughts? Because I think we can all agree that like, yeah, it's not great, but like we, we need to be more constructive than we need to be destructive or just critical for no reason, you know, without being constructive about. No, I agree. Things. All right. Um, so I guess like here's our happy topic for the day. <laughs> Moving on. Um, talking about how uh, Valve made TF2 free to play. Um, and basically, uh, it kind of boiled down to three different, you know, major things. Um, because, like, you know, they took basically anybody who follows Smashcast or follows gaming knows that, you know, TF2 is Team Fortress 2 is free to play now, completely free to play. Um, it, it was four years old when they did it. And uh, they basically ran a set. Valve ran a session. Joe Ludwig from Valve ran a session in GDC on Wednesday, um, which would have been last week, actually. Or no, I'm sorry, it would have been this week. I'm totally screwed up right now. <laughs> um, and they basically explained how they transitioned it uh, from a box title to a free to play. Um, and it boiled down to three points, which was one: updates keep players hooked. Uh, two, community engagement was key for maintaining player interest. And three, anticipate negative player reactions and design around them. Um, I mean, it's more complicated than that um, because they had already been doing updates, but they, you know, kind of started making bigger updates. They started using community feedback to determine what was going to be in the updates. They had to get people used to the idea or find a way to get people used to the idea of of paying for updates that were free before. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you pay for the updates, you still don't. Um, in fact, any big game-changing weapon that they release in TF2, you can get for free. Um, it's just that you also have the option to buy it. The only things that they sell that they don't allow you to get for free in the game are some of the cosmetic things and optional abilities and, and things like taunts and stuff like that that don't actually affect the game. It's just stuff that you can use to more customize your character. Right. Um, I mean, basically, it's kind of like an interesting, I guess, look at... Uh, you know, how to kind of turn a game into, you know, a free-to-play, especially something as big as TF2. And they actually increased their revenues like 12 times what they were making before or like what they had made over yeah. from the before that. So it's just a, kind of an interesting story, I guess. It was a big risk, I'll say that. I mean, to turn something that everyone was so used to and something that they cared about so much and then turn into something completely different, I, I'd say that took some guts. Like that could have blown up in their face really easily. I think I, I think it could have, but I think they knew what they were doing. Uh, I think my favorite part is when they're talking about the community engagement point, uh, and they talk about how there was one of the trailers for the updates, and they showed just a blueprint of uh, I think it was a weapon, and then they they kind of let the you know the community talk about this weapon, and and what the community didn't realize is that they were talking about you know what what, what the blueprint and the the positive feedback that they gave in those comments is what you know effectively they were voting on you know this weapon should be in the update, and so. I think it's almost it's almost a little subversive, but the way they kind of they, they kind of trick the community into into sort of like contributing to to this, and and I think when the community is so involved to that degree, especially when something's free to play, that's what 
you know, I think that's what can drive those 12 time profits. Uh, I think the other, the other point that I liked is how they got the idea for uh, the pyro being able to light the sniper's arrows that, you know, they got that idea from foreign comments and then they put that in the game. I think it, it shows that there's a very vibrant, active community and that's, that's really the basis for what allowed them to make that change. Yeah, I think that's the key. And I think also just the fact that like Valve is smart. Valve pays attention to its community, pays attention to what they want. Like they will make changes without the community's consent, but they also like keep a close eye on they have their they have their finger on the pulse of the community. Like they have a good relationship with the community. The community has a good relationship with them. That's why, you know, a lot of times you see like, oh, like they you could submit your design or like have something show up in a game or you you might have an item show up in the game and and a lot of games, you're like, they're just basically having people make shit for free for them because they don't have any good ideas. But Valve comes out with a lot of <laughs> stuff on their own, and then people like Valve and and Team of Two so much that they will they would love to see something that they made make it into the game. So like, mm-hmm. it's not it's not really subversive, and you know what you're getting into, kind of. You know, like it's not it's not like a shady practice for them. It because there's a way that you approach it. It, it. It's all in the way that you approach it, basically. And I think it. I think that them making TF2 free to play was less of a risk than like, you know, say coming out with a new game and making it free to play, um, because it was four years old. Like they didn't. I feel like they had less to lose than they had to gain, um, but they were still they still went about it in a very smart manner. But that's Valve. Sure. Yeah, Valve tends to do smart things. They will again when they make the Valve box. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> You gotta hold on to that. Um, but uh, moving on to our last topic, um, this is actually a, a community uh, kind of requested topic. Um, it was from Admiral Mikey. Uh, we asked, "What do you want to hear about on the Mashcast today?" And uh, Mikey basically said, uh, "If you, why, if you publicly defend, rationalize the actions of a publisher, you know, and." Uh, parentheses you had Capcom or EA you know you become ostracized by your fellow gamers um, this wasn't from anything that he himself uh, I guess went into um, it was more from he said that he looked at like comments on Reddit and Joystick and Kotaku and he just doesn't he just hates to see the the mob mentality of gamers sometimes it's just... um, and specifically as we talked about before and uh, like Street Fighter X Tekken has some issues, um, but one of the issues that was a big deal, like to the I guess to the game community, was that um, the DLC they have DLC characters that are locked on the disc for Street Fighter X Tekken uh, that they're basically I guess going to just release over time. But they, but it, I mean, like when we say they're locked on disc, like people have found the files and it's like twelve characters, like which is a lot. Um, concerning yeah. the roster and that's already in place for Street Fighter X Tekken and they have like full you know introductions character models costumes like all like everything basically that you they could have just given the 12 characters to start start off mm-hmm. um and it's left people a little bit enraged to put it lightly mm-hmm. um and his basic thing like his basic example was that you know uh people saying you know, like, or Cap, you know, there's people saying, like, Capcom is stealing money because they're, you know, they have these characters on the disc, but they're not actually releasing them. They're, they're just going to make you pay for them later. And not... Capcom saying they're on locks. So if you don't want to buy them, you can still play with other people online who have them. And then internet goes into rage mode. And then, you know, somebody yeah. makes a comment that says they make a good point. You know, I don't approve of on locked on disc content. 
but dot 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 and to paraphrase mikey he says the internet says you're a fag fucking capcom sheep fanboy and just that kind of mentality basically yeah so. it's it's just this problem with the inter- the oh, freak what's that anonymity uh there's just yeah there's anonymity just, on the internet yeah there's like the yeah, internet fuckwad theory yeah like that's pretty much explains it i mean people are just gonna say whatever they feel like and because of anonymity they say it unfiltered and they will seriously like make people feel like crap but if you hang around and actually take like you should take that stuff with like a grain of salt compared to like someone who'll be like well i understand where you're coming from but this is where i'm coming from to counter argument you instead of like blah 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 you're a retard blah 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 you know you should take those people with like like just toss like they're just trolling oh, so but just, I, I don't know oh, I, th- I think fundamentally though I, th- I think you need to look at almost like why do these threads exist and and we all pretend that these threads exist for you know a place for discourse and rational argument and that's not why they're there at all they're pretty much there for just people pretty much take one side of an argument and just rail against whatever it is they don't like and unfortunately whatever side winds up in the minority and it's usually dictated by who starts the thread usually but whoever winds up in the minority always just gets just completely run over because there's there's a group think that goes on i mean a lot of pla- a, lot, a lot of times a lot of the places we go to online and we hang out it's because we tend to agree with, what, with what's there it, it's sort of yeah. just you know just sort you don't of a, go a, hang a out at places bias. on the internet that you don't have like right. an agreement with you, you don't some, spend time there a lot <laughs> some, some people do but they appreciate they, they go there effectively to troll they appreciate the antagonism right. and they, they like to foster that and but if you want to be go somewhere where you actually want to have rational discourse or go somewhere there where generally people's views tend to line up with your own Exactly. Exactly. So I think that the general thing is that it just is mob mentality on the internet a lot of the time, and the gaming community is probably the worst about it. We saw, Mm, yeah, pretty, pretty bad. We saw last week mob mentality that basically said sexism is okay in fighters. We don't talk about that. I I want to like. (laughs) Oh, when I heard that happened, I was like, I'm ashamed of my community. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, because you, you identify with the fighting game community a lot. <laughs> but I don't think that's I, I love like my community. Fighter. No, it's not. He he called it the entire fighting he said game that, community. Yeah, he said that for the fighting game community, like... That's not that, just that Street Fighter. That's yeah. like... And I was insulted as a fighting game player by that comment. I was like, are you... I... I I was like dumbfounded. I was like, I don't even want to call you a fighter anymore. Whoever that person, like, I can't remember the name of him. Oh, he, I'll, I'll I, I was like, you do not represent the gaming community, fighting game community very well. You just need to be quiet and go yeah, but, play but, your you street fighter cross second. I mean, we've already talked about this, but you know, that's, there's a person that you know like that's where they feel like oh well this is still okay it's like a last bastion as if like that makes any sense you know as if it's okay for that to happen and it's not no no i think that when you have gamers oh go ahead good well it's like i i've known some fighters to you know hate on the whole gay thing and i try not to let it bother me but it's like I thought you think you grow people grow past this, but then I guess they just some just never do. I guess some I mean, just never do. You have you have man children, and it's like it has nothing to do with people being like fifteen. You know, they, that's immaturity. But like you have people that are like almost thirty, and they act the same way, and that's that's something else. Yeah. Um, and I think the internet 
is the problem really with that because even with the Phil Fish thing as as bad as that was it's funny that an issue that arises because of somebody not really thinking before they say something to somebody else that's hurtful and you know kind of antagonistic and then thousands of people turn around and go on Twitter and send the guy hate messages yeah guys that's what we're talking about. <laughs> like it's it's the exact thing that we're talking about. You know, it's it's the same. Like the gamers don't like you. You get a it, it is a mob mentality. You get in the mob mentality. You don't think you let everybody just kind of does stuff. You know, like they just kind of go in in one general mob that has some hazy formed concept of the you know that their position is the only right one. I don't think anybody can defend you know, locked on this DLC or anything like that, like, very well. I mean, it's like, there's, there's I mean, a you lot can try. of... It's, it's well, the only thing... acceptable? <laughs> like that. They, what they did is they did something that's legally right. They own it. They can distribute it however they choose. But to their community, they kind of just... They distributed it in the complete wrong way, especially after all the things that we've already downloaded from Gapcom, whether it be Street Fighter to Super Street Fighter 4 to uh, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition to Marvel vs. Gapcom 3 to then having to buy Ultimate Marvel vs. Gapcom. It's just like... But, but ah. if, if Capcom keeps kind of taking a dump on everybody and they keep buying the games and buying the DLC, they're gonna keep dumping they have them. no incentive to stop. And, and no. even, though, even exactly. though the community is outraged against them... They, they 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 don't care. I mean, look at e, what was, but, I mean EA and, and, and Origin, and they were like, oh, it'll all blow over. It's the same. But, it's the same sort of mentality. Nick, but Nick, how am I supposed to go to Evo and play at the big tournaments if I don't buy the most latest up to date fighting game tournament game? No, you're, you're, and you're, that's where they get you. But the, because <laughs> they, they, they they I mean they literally have your community by the balls. It, it's you, there is no they fighting. Have, they have your community by the balls. But how like you know how much of a statement would it be if Evo said like. This is a whole bunch. Of, if the, enough of the community took a stand against it and said this is shit, we won't play this game. Like if you had like Justin Wong and a whole bunch of other people that are well, like say I'm not playing it because, of, because of what they're... they've done. Oh, I know that. But if you had enough of people take a stand, that Evo said, oh, okay, I guess we'll just play fucking Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition or something. Like you play something else, and then Capcom's like, guys, I think we fucked up. To be honest, but the I'm problem sorry. is that gamers don't fucking do the gamers get real outraged real fast. Mob mentality and, and internet like is a it's a combination just makes firestorms kick up like in a heartbeat. But gamers get real pissed off about shit, but gamers don't do shit about shit. Mm-hmm. Gamers gamers will get mad about Mass Effect 3. They'll get mad about Origin. They'll get mad about, you know, lock disc content on Street Fighter. They, they'll get mad about a lot of stuff. Right. And gamers will not do. People will be like, "Yo, that's fucking bullshit, man. Fucking, fucking Capcom is full of shit, and fucking locking characters on this twelve characters is fucking shit." Um, and then and then come Tuesday, they go out and get the game anyway. Yeah, I don't even want to know how many people probably. Like, I bet you it sold like a whole bunch of copies. Yeah, and then that's the problem. Is that, oh, you like, know what? Uh, they've already got glitches. Any actual- there's already glitches that I would almost consider game breaking. Almost. Nice. I mean, like, it's, but it's the thing. It's like, like gamers like get mad, but gamers don't actually like it. I saw a term recently, and it was actually in in, in regards to the Coney thing, um, but it was Foxivist, you know, like a fake activist, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what gamers are. <laughs> like gamers 
kick up a lot of like dust and dirt and stomp in the ground and, and yell and, you know, get in groups and yell and, and scream about stuff and don't actually do anything. Yeah. I think the last time you saw the internet or gamers do anything was when SOPA was like going to be an issue. And like that's it, but like it's so rare for the gamers but, to actually take a stand. But that even do that even transcended gamers, though. I mean, oh, I know. Well, that's what I mean. That's what we're saying. I, I'm, like, I'm trying to think. It like, takes a takes a lot because, like, I think a good example was the Left 4 Dead 2 thing. Like, they tried to like, uh, wasn't there like a group, a huge group that was just not gonna buy it. And then, like, half that group just bought it anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, because people were so mad. They're like, oh, man, they're making another game a year afterwards. So they could have just, you know, patched it in DLC. I was one of the people who was kind of upset. I was like, wow, I bought this game, and now you're going to release the next game in, like, six months. But, you know, but, if it, and, and, but people won't buy it. Like, people don't take a stand. Like, it's easy to be outraged, and it's easy to, like, act on outrage, and it's a lot harder to be constructive. Well, I think that's the key to their outrage, though, is they're not mad like, oh, I'm mad that you're doing this. It's more like, I'm mad that you're ma- pay- making me pay this much more money. Because they, they no, at no point are they ever even considering not getting it. They're just, it, it's basically, you know, it, it's inflation. They're basically mad at, you know, sort of the fact that the price of games is going up. And, and you know, it's with, perfectly within Capcom's rights to do that or any company's rights to do that. And it's perfectly within everybody's rights to get pissed. But they, yeah, it's 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 that it's that sticky relationship again, that deep and sticky relationship. Yeah, Except but now we're seeing point, it with the gamers to, to to the game companies. At some point, though, you have to kind of stand up and say, "Enough is enough." You know. Yeah, but then the problem becomes: then who's who's gamer? Then who's what fighting game are we going to play that will be the next Evo? Street Fighter well, 4 or whatever. Right. Well, you got Blaze Blue Continuum Shift. I don't know. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah, think I know. anyone's going to be willing to put, like, I know it was at EVO last year, but most, I hate to say it's most fighting game community kind of looks down upon what they call the anime fighters, which Blaze Blue would fall under. So. Which is funny because Guilty Gear is like, I had to be like one of the best like fighters that I had played in a and, while, like, especially a new you know, fighter. And you know how much EVO coverage you probably got? Zero to nil. No. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, but the, that's the community. I mean, there's no real answer to that. You know, it it really is just mob mentality. That's why people, you know, they people ostracize other people because there's a huge popular consensus. And if you even kind of step out of line with that view, even if you don't necessarily agree with it, but you can kind of rationalize it or think about it more critically or, or try to be constructive about it, like people don't want to hear it because it's harder to be constructive. So yep. it, there's our community. Hooray. <laughs> Let's hope it gets better. <laughs> that, that, it gets better. <laughs> that, that seems it like gets, an appropriately uh, depressing topic to end on. <laughs> yeah, and that is it the ending topic. So. Um, so, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can catch us uh, on a multitude of places. Uh, of course, smashwasbuttons.com. Um, we're also on SoundCloud, which you may be listening to um, the do the mash cast on oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i got i i'm i'm getting ahead of myself we have to talk <laughs> about the new releases for next week um which honestly journey for everybody else <laughs> journey yeah journey for everybody else on the 13th uh fifa street comes out for 360 and ps3 um there's a, a few other random games uh tales of graces f uh comes out for ps3 on the 13th as well uh, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm Generations. I was totally buying that. God. 
360 and PS3. This is a long name. 360 and PS3. Um, Silent Hill Downpour coming out for 360 and PS3 as well. And Yakuza Dead Souls. The Yakuza zombie spinoff game. Um, Gotta love March. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's games. At least there's games coming out now. So. Yeah, I think everyone's still going to be griping about the games that came out this week. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Next I'm week just, has some more interesting games. I'm, but I'm just going to yeah. pretend being sad is a game. <laughs> it is depression. kind of a game. Depression. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, uh, you can uh, catch us on MashlessBundles.com, of course, uh, where you can catch all our articles, reviews, you know, news that's going on. Um, you know, see the latest Mashcast, all that kind of fun stuff, and other content is you know becomes available. Uh, we're on SoundCloud.com uh, slash mash those buttons. Uh, you can also subscribe to the iTunes feed uh, to get our Mashcast that way. Uh, it will you know download, you know, update automatically, and all that fun stuff for you. Um, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio. Uh, you can listen to us there as well. I've can personally attest to its greatness. Um, it works very well. Sounds great, great quality, and and streams very quickly. Um, you have it for iPad, iPhone, Android devices. It's instantly available and it's streaming. Um, watch your data plan, but you know, outside of that, actually, it's it's actually not too bad on the data plan. Um, but uh, we're also on twittercom site and facebookcom buttons if you want to interact with us, uh, interact with us in the community. Um, tend to be a little more active on Twitter, but you know that's not for lack of love for Facebook. It's just that you know people tend to talk a little bit more on Twitter. Yeah. So that's where you can catch us. Um, thanks for listening. As always, uh, this was Mashcast number forty-three, and we're signing off. Bye. It gets better, everybody. 